We are in a really, really kind of fun spot in Ephesians, but before we get there, I want to do just two quick announcements. These are important. Then we're going to kind of get into it because we have some other stuff we're doing at the end of service for moms today. Happy Mother's Day. Um, the thing I want, two announcements I wanted to make is one is it's uh, summer. I don't know if, it's, if anyone knows that. Like I bet the college students are like, yeah, <laughs> celebrating some of that. That's right. Um, we do every year, Jess does it in our kids' ministry. She calls it a summer campaign where every year, um, because we have a lot of people that serve and that some, we have a bunch of college students that help in our kids' ministry, when summer hits, we, we kind of we get a little, little light in the kids' ministry areas. And so she asked that you would just maybe commit to serving once a month over the summer or every other week over the summer, and that's it, just to kind of that timeline. You're not committed any longer than that, and we'd love for you to take part in that. We value what... Um, what happens in the classroom is we partner with parents to do that. Um, if you are a parent, I've heard this before in parents, and I'm going to be gentle because it's Mom's Day, so I'll pick on dads. If you're a parent, you're like, I have to be a parent all week long. I don't want to be on a Sunday. You're missing the point of what we're doing, and I would encourage you to, to, to seriously pray about being a part of that. And the second thing is um, we have a, a, an owner meeting or member meeting this, this Saturday. It's at First Baptist Church at 10 a.m. If you're an owner, we'd love for you to be there as well. Um, we're going to do some prayer and some... Uh, worship, and then also a lot of business stuff that we like to talk to the owners about. Those are two important met, um, announcements. But, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're in one very short verse today. But it's a very pivotal uh, verse for where we're going. So if you don't have a Bible, slip your hands up, and the ushers can grab one for you. Um, this is, a, this is a, an interesting section. If you can, guys can kind of dust off your brains and think back to when we were at the beginning of Ephesians, I've talked about how every scholar has, has kind of figured out this rhythm that comes in the book of Ephesians, and they all agree on it. We have these, the first kind of three chapters are, are who we are in Christ, and then the last three chapters are what do we do in light of being in Christ, and how does that play out? Or or you have this very, very obvious rhythm in chapter 1 where we can see that, that we are now seated with Christ by what he's done. And so because of what he's done, we can, we, can, we can claim to be holy and blameless and righteous, and we have every spiritual gift and every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen. We're children. We're adopted. All these truths that come to us in the first three chapters of Ephesians. But ultimately, recognizing that that is, that is with us being seated with Christ, becoming co-heirs with Jesus Christ in, in the community of, of what God is doing with him and, and his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and, and making his kingdom present here on earth, that's who we are in light of Christ. And then in chapter 4, we had that turning point where it says, now walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And we had said over and over again in, in through chapter 4 that you can't truly walk with God without remembering that you ultimately are still seated with him. Like, we don't get up from that seated position and leave him and start walking. No, our worthy manner comes in resting in our seatedness and where we're seated. Now, this, this scripture, this last section of, of, of chapter 6 is, is just, it's brilliant. It's huge. There's so much information. So today, we're going to hit one verse, and then we're going we're gonna to dive into the rest of it kind of through the next few weeks um, coming up. But again, what comes out of six, and we see this through the spiritual warfare, which we'll talk more about next week, and through the armor of God, that we are called to, to stand. There's actually, now there's this, this we, we first must learn how to, to be seated with Christ, and out of our seatedness, we start walking with Christ, and then out of understanding what that means, never leaving our seated position, we then can stand firm in Christ in, in the battle that's going on. And so we see that happening. But for us to understand and to make that turn, I wanted to... I, I think there's, there's something that we have to do a little bit culturally to, to get to a spot or a posture where we're going we're gonna to actually let these scriptures seep into our hearts and really see what the Spirit can do with it. 
And so the first thing, I want to just share a couple stories. Have you ever, um, if you're a parent and you're, you have kids, have you ever noticed how um, kids can think they're really, really strong at the silliest things? Like, you know, like a kid pulls a blade of grass and be like, look at that, I pulled that out of the ground, dad, I'm so strong. Right, as a dad, you can squash your child in that moment and be like, <laughs> one piece of grass? You know, no, I'm just kidding. That's not what you're supposed to do. But ultimately, like, oh, wow, good job. You're strong for a kid pulling a blade of grass that did nothing wrong. You know, like, whatever it may be, this is, this is what's happening. But, but they really, truly believe they're super strong. You ask a, a four or five-year-old, like, hey, flex your muscles, and they'll flex and be like, look at how strong I am. And, and then they'll be amazed, like, it's nothing builds a dad's ego like little children because you can, like, beat him in arm wrestle every time and you feel so strong, right? Like, they're like, you're so much stronger, that's amazing. Their understanding of strength is, is, is kind of, it's limited. It's very, very small. But the reality is, is I think that most of us as adults, we operate like we're that child pulling that blade of grass in our strength. We have come to this assumption and this, this understanding, I'm going to just use myself personally. Um, when I was a, a volunteer youth leader at a church many, many years ago, I had the same group of guys that we were working with. They were ninth graders. At this point, they were seniors. It was the last winter camp that we had. And one of the guys right before winter camp broke both his arms snowboarding. So he was stuck like this. So if you're stuck like this, there's a few very mandatory things you can't do by yourself. Just think about it. Like there's nothing, like literally he was stuck like this. And so he was really sad because he's like, man, it's my last winter camp with our guys. We've been, we've been together since seventh grade and we're, we're up and we can't do it. And one of the, one of the guys in, in the, in the, Bible study, we're sitting there talking. He's like, man, I think we should figure out how to get, get him there. And I said, well, <laughs> we can do that. But you know what that means, right? They're like, what? It's like the mom and dad aren't around. So that means that that's on us. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, there are certain needs he's going to have that we have to fulfill for him. So are you guys ready to pray for that? And I, I was so amazed by these, these kids, these senior boys. They were just awesome. They said, you know what? Like, yeah, he's, we've known him forever. He's, 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 he's our family. Like, we're in. And so we literally set up shifts. <laughs> Who was on potty duty, shower duty? Like we set up shifts for the whole weekend of winter camp. Went to him and said, hey, we're having you come to winter camp if your mom and dad are still okay with it. And we've got shifts on who's going to take care of bathroom duty and feeding you and, and everything. Because he, he couldn't do anything. He was stuck in this position. And it was one of the most profound and beautiful things I've ever experienced until it was my shift. And then it was my shift. And, um, and, and it happened to be in the middle of the night. Hey, Brian, Brian. Yeah. I need to go to the bathroom. Like, oh, okay, great. No, like the bathroom, the bathroom. Like, oh, okay, great. So in the middle of the night, and I remember um, it, vividly, unfortunately, we were in the bathroom, and um, and I remember him. His, his, like, there's something extremely humbling by not being able to do some of the very basic things that we do, and I remember him feeling like not ashamed, but he just kept saying like, I'm so sorry, thank you. I'm so sorry, thank you. I'm so sorry, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and it was one of the most humbling experiences I've ever been a part of. Like, I mean, seriously, and, and that was me. I wasn't even the guy that had to, you know, was stuck like this, right? Like, that was, that was, that was just an amazing experience. Well, fast forward many years because I'm dense and slow, and my wife and I sell our house. She's, uh, she's like six or seven months pregnant, and I am just out of, like, two months out of an ACL knee surgery. So if you've ever had an ACL knee surgery, two months after, you're walking pretty normal, but you're like not allowed to bend or lift anything. And so inevitably someone always like, hey, Brian, can you help me with this? And then you have to do that moment where it's like, oh, I really want to. So can I do it with one, which would be pride? Or do I just tell them like, hey, I can't lift. And then they look at you like you're, like you can't, you can't lift that. Like what's wrong with you? I'm not supposed to have a knee surgery. Oh, okay, whatever. And they walk off and you kind of feel belittled, right? Well, so we, <laughs> so we, we set up, I like 
I love acts of service and I loved, loved, I say that past tense, but I still do. I love helping people move. I don't know why. I don't like helping people pack up, but I love moving. And I've helped a lot of people move. And so I just kind of expected that a lot of those people would help me in my move because obviously I helped. Like, that's just how it works, right? Well, the day came to move and I couldn't really move much because of my knee and Jen wasn't supposed to be moving much. Although, you know, it's really weird to me. Like when you have your first kid, moms are like, we're, we're, I'm like super careful about like making sure she doesn't lift anything that's over 10 pounds. You see a mom of like three kids pregnant. She's like got two kids in tow, a, a barrel of bricks and she's carrying the, you know, the wheat for the day or something. I mean, like it's amazing, right? Either way, anyway, that's, that's just mom strength. It's weird. So, uh, so we couldn't move anything, and so it was time to move, and we had to be out of this place because it was like done. We had to be out, and we had to get in that next space, and so I'm like, all right, I got the trailer there. I got stuff boxed up because I'm not that guy that's going to have people come over that's not boxing ready. That's horrible. Anyways, and so I have it already, and one guy shows up. I'm like, hey, buddy. He's like, hey, where's everyone else? Oh, they'll be here soon. Don't worry. No one comes, and he's like, well, why don't we just lift it? Well, okay. I mean, I could act tough but I'm not allowed to lift and I can help you with some of these little things. And so I had no one show up. And so it was in this moment where it's like, I had to be out of the house in less than an hour at this point now. And so I just started calling people like, hey, where are you? Hey, where are you? No one was answering. And finally, one of the guys, Andrew Wallace actually, who's here, um, he, he answered his phone. He's like, well, I got to be at work in an hour. I'm like, I'll take it. Can you come for an hour? He's like, sure. And so he came over, him and this other guy threw everything in the trailer and just got the trailer over to the other house. And it was like, okay, it's, it's there. At least it's out and we're good to go. And I'll, I'll remember, I remember it kind of hitting me like a ton of bricks at that moment where um, I was frustrated that, that no one was there, and I was ex- like equally amazed at how fast Chris and Andrew moved our entire house, which is like made me feel inadequate, but either way. And, and then I remember thinking back to that high school winter camp and thinking back to just how um, humbled I was in that moment and how humbled um, this poor guy probably was. And I realized in that moment, like it took me having a knee surgery, my wife having, um, being pregnant for me to realize I can't even empty the trailer. I don't even have, I don't have the ability to do that. So I, I have to call and ask for help. I don't, I don't have the choice of doing this on my own. Well, for every single one of us, it's a three-year-old that says, I can, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. I can do it myself. That's kids. They, they love learning how to do things themselves. The simplest of tasks that we take for granted when a child gets to do it itself, it's like, ah, I did that myself. And there's, there's like a proud moment. Well, culturally, I think what has happened, unfortunately, is, is two blatant lies that we believe. The first one is, is that it's, it's in conjunction to Ephesians. I'm going to just kind of lightly talk about it here. We'll hit it more later on because there's a specific piece of armor that, that placed this. The very beginning of Ephesians, he doesn't say he adopted me or you. He said he adopted us. And every single thing, we, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a we, not an I or a me thing. The, the book of, of, of Ephesians was written communally. It was mentioned and meant to be communal, and everything was supposed to be communal. And so we have, we have this, this unfortunate like rewiring that needs to happen in our minds where we believe everything we do is on our own. We don't need anyone. We can do it ourselves, and if we can't do it ourselves, then we're incompetent. And we're not, we're, not, we're not doing what we're supposed to be. We're a burden to someone else, which is funny because I think that word is exact. In fact, that exact word is used. We are to bear one another's burdens. Yet all of us carry around, I don't want to be a burden. I hate to be, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden. We have got to remind ourselves, got to think that, that our lives and the way that actually we'll, we'll see in our faith, our faith is truly tied to one another. In fact, when you sin and you're a part of a body of, of Christ, you, your sin affects others. You've, you've seen this. 
Similar, if you, if, you, if you do something that's like someone surrendered to Jesus does something amazing, it affects the whole body. That's why I love doing family dedications today. Like this is a, it's a communal thing. It's not a one person thing figured out on your own. But we have got so much pride and so much lies in ourselves that we believe that we have to do everything by ourselves. And if we can't, we're a failure. And it took God having to humble me when I couldn't physically lift my leg without causing or lift anything without causing more, more pain or trouble and having a wife very pregnant for him to break that down. For my friend, it took him having both his arms broken. I can guarantee he never forgot that lesson. But some of you right now, like you, you're, you're walking around like the guy in Monty Python with no arms and no legs saying, I can still do it. I got it. I'll, I'll bite you. Like I got my own ways. And you're, just, you're just pushing to try and do it all on your own because you're trying to prove something to some childhood version of you or misappropriated relationship in some sort that you believe that if you can't do it yourself, you're a failure. And yet, asking for help is what God has called us to do. In fact, 59 one another commands in the New Testament alone. That's a lot of one another's. And so we have to remember that. And we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to the shield of faith. But the second thing we have to understand is this. And this is something that I think we've lied to ourselves. In fact, I was trying to think about it. Maybe you guys can be better at first service. What's a quote, like a famous quote that talks about inner strength? Like I was trying to think of Nike or something else. Like anyone have one? I couldn't find one that was like there. No? Yeah. Perfect. Pain is weakness leaving the body, right? So if you, if you, if you experience pain, it's because you're getting rid of the weakness and you're going to become strong. That's perfect. Thank you. Man, that's, you, you guys win. You're better than first service, okay? Um, and, um, and, and I realized then there was also a biblical example that we have really misused. It's Philippians 4 where we talk about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? This has become the verse that we use to exert strength, right? It's, it's how we win our games. It's how we, we conquer this hike. It's how we conquer that climb. It's, it's, it's what we do to, to pass the grades. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The context of that verse is not the Apostle Paul talking about what dreams he's going to conquer. He's in prison. He's experiencing pain in his flesh, and he's prayed over and over and over again to be relieved from that. Actually, the, the, what, what, G, what Paul is saying there is, is it's, it's recognizing that you can do everything even when the world conquers you. That even though you're, you've lost and you've failed and you feel like you've never made it through anything else, Christ is still strengthening you in that. It's not so you can go conquer big dreams. I mean, although, I mean maybe that applies with Christ, but that's not the, the context of that scripture. And so we have this, we've allowed to seep into us that our strength and our power is what we can muster up. Feel more pain so we can get rid of the weakness. Like we, 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 we work out, you know, or we go CrossFit and we're like super strong or whatever it may be. We have all these areas in which we are trying to make ourselves stronger. We have lost the focus. We've missed what strength truly is. And so that's where we are in Ephesians chapter 6. So one short verse. Verse 10. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it with me. Um, finally, so we'll stop there. Okay, one word. Uh, finally, the Apostle Paul is, this, this word is, is, is very beneficial in his writing because, again, he's, we've studied this letter over the last nine, ten months or whatever it's been, and so it's very broken up. But this was meant to just be read in a row. And so as you're hearing this, you would have heard all the truths of one and two and like, oh, who I am in Christ. I'm holy and blameless and I have every spiritual blessing. Okay, now I'm going to walk in a worthy manner and then come into the household stuff, which we just came out of, which ultimately like the household roles play and work because we're both mutually submitted to one another to Christ, being filled with the Spirit. And so it's all flowing together. And then the Apostle Paul pens, finally. It's like he's, it's like in that moment he's leaning, he's like, okay, now listen up. Listen up, finally, 
This is, this is important. Where I'm going to go now is going to carry and bookend everything that we've experienced in this letter. So finally is where he goes. He goes, finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Most of us read that scripture, finally, be strong. And then we end it there. In fact, I, I wonder how Joshua heard that. Have you ever read the book of Joshua? Right after Moses, who, like, the Bible says that Moses was like, there's no other prophet like him. No one's going to have the intimacy that he had with the relationship. Like, he was like the bomb, right, with, with the relationship to God and leading. Yet even his sin, his sin kept him from the promised land. So in Joshua 1, it says, <laughs> it says, my servant Moses is dead. This is God speaking to Joshua. My servant Moses is dead. Okay, now you need to move on, and you're going to lead this way. Like, I kind of feel like there should have been, like, some more statements. Like, I know that's hard, Joshua. You're going to miss him. These are some big shoes to feel. Like I, like, I feel like there should have been more of that. But no, the, the God just says, oh, he's dead. Okay, now what I need you to do is, um, and it's like, whoa. But we know what he does? He says it three times in that short first section. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And you know what he places that strength in? And say, oh man, be strong and courageous. Joshua, you have trained. There's gonna be lots of wars coming, but man, not a single person's gonna fall to your sword, which he says, and, and you're gonna conquer everything. And it's all this great strength. But, but he's, you know what he, he bases his strength on? Be strong and courageous, Joshua, because I made you to be strong. No. Be strong and courageous, Joshua, because, well, you're just, you just have a lot of talents, and you're just, I'm really glad I saved you. No, he says, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. We have disconnected. We have divorced those two terms in our brains or our hearts. And we believe that our strength is meant to be in us. The very strength that Joshua was resting on, the very reason why he could step into these massive Moses-sized shoes wasn't, had nothing to do with Joshua and everything to do, I'm with you. If I'm with you, who can be against you? And the Apostle Paul doesn't say, hey, be strong. Figure this out. Bootstrap it. Get as strong as you possibly can so that you can do these things that we've been talking about in all these chapters. No, he says, be strong in the Lord and, and then adds to it, and in the strength of his might. So yours and my strength has nothing. Let me, please hear, let me, let me say this very clearly. Nothing, and, and the Greek for nothing is nothing, okay? Like I wanna just like, nothing to do with us. My strength has nothing to do with me. I am not stronger because of me bleeding out weakness and pa through pain, I'm not stronger because I just happened to, to white-knuckle it a little bit better than everyone else. No, I'm, I'm stronger because I have the Lord. In fact, this is why we cannot divorce the first three chapters from this chapter, and here's why. Just blow the dust off again. Remind yourself, what did we do to gain the, the label, the term holy and blameless? Did I do anything? It was like, oh, Bren, you know what? You just... You seem like you were a good guy. I thought, you know, I could do a lot through you, so I just decided to make you holy and blameless. No, I did absolutely nothing to earn that. I submitted. I surrendered myself to him as Lord, of Jesus, Lord and Savior. That's all I did. It's all his work. It was Jesus Christ who went to the cross. It was Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life. It was Jesus Christ who walked out of the tomb, and it's Jesus Christ who we live for today. I just aligned myself to that. I didn't fix myself first. I didn't serve my way into it and do enough good things to be like, ah, oh, I can finally like claim this name. No, I did absolutely nothing. So when the apostle Paul comes back to being strong, he does this. He says, be strong in the Lord. 
You know what he's, he's calling for? He's calling for more, this is a word we don't like, more dependence. He's calling for you to be more dependent on God. I, I heard a quote a couple weeks ago, Matt Chandler said it, and I, I, I've been saying it over and over again because I love it, but it's that we never drift towards God reliance. We always, always drift towards self-reliance. It takes intentional work to, to, to becoming more intimate and reliant on God. We don't just accidentally, like, wow, I just was doing nothing, and all of a sudden I'm fully reliant on God. This is amazing. Like, no, we, when we do that, usually it's, we're reliant on ourselves and our strength and what we can do. So his, his call is strength, and this is so important. This is so important for us to hear. Hear, hear me on this. If we miss this, the whole armor of God is going to be a complete, just ridiculous thing for us. If we miss that our strength is in the Lord. You know what's funny? Or not funny, I guess interesting, is right at the end of the armor, and he says in, in verse 18, he goes to prayer. He begins, before we even begin, like recognizing that our battle is, is, is way harder than even what Joshua had to experience, and we'll talk about that more next week. He says, before you do that, he says, you got to be strong in the Lord because what you're going into, you will never last a second in your own strength. And then he ends it with, and we must be praying for that over and over again. Your strength comes not from your own. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, this is Jesus answering Apostle Paul's um, struggle with uh, the thorn in his flesh. He's prayed three times, and then Jesus speaks to him. He says, I heard Jesus say, my grace is sufficient for you, which means more than enough. For my power is made perfect in you looking strong and you getting it all figured out and you bootstrapping it. No, in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, I think we've believed the lie that we can't show any weakness because, well, then we're in, incompetent. I mean, it, I, I know it's Mother's Day, okay? I'm, so I don't want to, I want to be gentle to moms, but, but I think moms, you have the same struggle in this. You, you have, you feel like you have to have it completely figured out as a mom. And you spend so much time comparing yourself to other moms and what they are or aren't doing. And so you just, you just wallow in guilt. I see this all the time. And, and you think like, okay, well, if I, if I have to ask for help, I'm not there. Instead of going over to a mom that seems to have something together, which, by the way, when you spend some time with, with them, like most every mom would say, I don't have it together. Just like every single guy would say the same thing. We're so, you know, the old adage, like we won't ask for directions, okay? I'm like, I'm so against that. I hate being lost, so I always ask for directions. I'm, on the, I'm the annoying guy, like, is it up here? Yeah, I just answered that. I know, but I, I don't know you again, but I want to ask you again, like, up here this way? But we, we are so afraid and so crippled and so we're, we're, we're literally hamstringing ourselves because we're so afraid to ask for help. We're so afraid to look weak. Who inherits the kingdom of God? The meek. Those that don't look like lines, the ones that humble themselves. God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. I, I'm seeing a theme in the scriptures. It's not about you mustering up more strength. It's about you resting in his strength. Be strong, is, it should be interpreted as a passive verse, stressing the idea of receiving strength from an outside source. That's how this is used in the Greek. You're receiving strength. You're not willing it up. You're receiving strength. This is, this is how you can know if you're struggling to, to, um, to really rest in God's strength is, is if you come to something in your life, whether it's, I'm getting ready to graduate or... 
kind of like this boy or girl. I don't know what's going on there. Or God's, maybe there's another work. Or I, I'm thinking about God's calling me to do this mission, whatever. And you spend 95% of it up here thinking about it, and you never, ever get down in your face before the Lord and say, what do you want? I need you more than my own head because in my own head I can get lost. In fact, Proverbs teaches that wisdom comes from the counsel of others. So if you're not spending any time on your knees and hands before the Lord pleading, God, I need you. If you've uttered, I've said this very statement, well, all we can do is pray, as if that's like a bad thing. Oh, last resort, I'm just going to pray. No, our strength comes from the Lord. I think that should be the very first and the continuous thing we do through every circumstance and situation. We're going we're gonna to talk about dedications, and before we get into those, um, I want to I wanna challenge you with two things in this, because this is important before we go forward. First is, is if you have, when's the last time you've asked for help for someone? Last time, like the last time you asked for help. I remember when Jen and I first had um, our first kid, Ava, Karen, she goes here, she had her kid, Ruby, about six months or whatever before us, and she said to me, she's like, hey, Bren, just so you know, there's going to be a moment. <clears throat> there's going to be a moment when your lovely wife is going to be holding your baby and she's going to be bawling, and she's not going to know why, and it's just going to be kind of messy, and she won't be eating or something. Like, like no matter if it's 3 a.m., call me. I don't care when it is, call me, because here's what's going to happen. I can tell you right now, some of the solutions are so simple, but you're going to think, I don't want to bother her. I'm telling you, I don't care what time it is. Just call me. This is the case, because someone said that same thing to me, and I ended up calling them at 2 a.m., and I was so thankful for it. Well, guess what happened? About one, two, three days of being home from the hospital, Jen's bawling, the baby's crying and not eating, and I'm just looking like, what do I do? You know, I don't know what to do. I can't help them, and they're just a mess, and I Look at the clock. It's like almost 1 a.m. I'm like, she said three, so whatever. <clears throat> so I picked up the phone, and I called her. And she answered the phone. She's like, hello. I'm like, you awake? She's like, no. I'm like, you liar. Okay, great. Now we got that out of the way. Um, I don't know what to do. She's like, what's happening? I said, Ava won't eat. It's a mess. Like, I, I you know, I, she's, she's not eating. Jen's a mess. She's like, okay, okay. Put me on speakerphone. Calm down. Calm down. And she just talked us through. Gave us a couple little simple things. And Ava ate right then, went to sleep. It was so good. So good. You were meant to do this with other people. Stop trying to be proud or trying to prove something to someone in your past that said you couldn't do it and living your life isolated. I promise you, your faith is tied to one another. The scriptures tell us this. Our adoption is an us thing. This whole solo hero thing that you want to be and, and do, is, is that's, that's a work of the enemy isolating you. You need other people in your life. The second thing I want to challenge you with is this, <clears throat> is if you have been experiencing, if you've not been asking for help, so sorry, let me go back to that. If you haven't asked for people for help, I can guarantee you can't compartmentalize that. Meaning at some point in your life, you'll realize that you just not only are you not asking help for others because of pride or fear or whatever it may be, right? You're actually not asking the Lord for help. You're kind of lobbing up these prayers every now and then because like, if I just need an answer, I just need to help me fix this. Help me figure this out. When his answer is like, no, no, you know, I, I have that. It, they meet with you every single week and you just aren't asking them. I've given you that very solution. You're just too afraid to, to be vulnerable, to shed some, some walls. But I can tell you right now, if you're not asking people, if you're not, if you're not seeking out community, you're not asking people for help, you're not asking the Lord for help probably either. You're not on your face before the Lord. And some of you, you're making big, huge decisions in your life without seeking prayer, counsel, or wisdom from others. You're not actually just sitting and letting the Lord speak to you either. Secondly, is if you're, really like, <clears throat> I mean like really like, I'm so strong and everything's awesome. You're doing it on your own. I, I want to challenge you this week. I want you to, I want you to ask God, reveal to me that my weaknesses so that I can see his strength. Because he's, we're, the promise is true that his, his, his power is perfected in our weakness. 
So I think we need to be praying, God, weaken us. Show us our weakness. Show us our frailty. Show us our, our re, like, ridiculous. You realize, like, God is actually holding us together right now? He could take his hands off and we could be done. No one breathes their last breath like, oh, God was like, I totally, I totally forgot to check on them. I've been, like, so busy over here with these needy kids. You know, I just told it. It doesn't happen. He is, he is in complete control. So why in the world would we want the strength of being able to pull a blade of grass and hoping that someone around us would look when we could have the strength of the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead? I'd rather rest in that strength than my own. I'd rather pull from that vault than my own. So I, I challenge you. I challenge you this week. Just ask God to reveal your weaknesses. And then if you're really bold, ask him to reveal people around you that he's put in place that can actually disciple those weaknesses. That's vulnerable. That's real. It's hard. It's going to take a lot of work. But wouldn't you much rather be strengthened in the Lord than strengthened by yourself? Because we've all seen how we can get to a spot of brokenness in our weakness. Sooner or later, we're going to have both our arms casted up, and we're going to need someone. We, we decided to do family dedications today, and so we're going to talk about that, and then I'll pray for us at the end. But, but ultimately, what I love about dedications is it's people saying that they're, they're saying, ultimately, they're coming up saying, look, these are my, these are my, this is my child that God has entrusted to me but I, I did, my desire is for them to be raised in the Lord, but, but I, I need you. I need all of you to be a part of this. I need you to play a role in this. I need you to, you to, you to play involvement in our life. In fact, I got a text yesterday from one of our friends here at church, and they were like, hey, you and Jen haven't been on a date for a while, so why don't you just pick some time tomorrow I'm taking you, and you, you can watch your kids. Like, we need to be invading each other's life like that. So when you get in here like, well, I don't have any kids. Well, great. Then you're a perfect candidate to walk along parents that could be really tired. Like, well, I don't want kids. Well, awesome. You should probably start spending some time with kids because I think Jesus rebuked the disciples for not wanting kids around him. Like, well, I already served my time with kids. Awesome. You bring amazing wisdom to us young, dumb parents that need it. Families, we're meant to do this together. And so when, it, when, it, when it, the family, we had two in the first service and when the Wilsons get up here this service, they're basically saying, like, you all that claim this is church home, <laughs> you're on the hook. You don't get a pass. You got to figure out how, how to be invested in this little boy's life and the parents and, and ways to point them back to the truth of Scripture. We, we've talked about this, and I've shared this story a number of times. We talked about this a lot with um, dedications. There was, in the 2000 Olympics, the 4x100 relay, women's relay, four of the fast, the world, the top four fastest 100-meter race runners in the world, okay, were our 4x100 relay. So they were all geeking out in the 2000 Olympics about, like, that, what record's going to be broken, the four fastest people individually we've ever seen in the world, and they're going to be in a 4x100. What's going to be amazing? Well, in that 2000 Olympics, they, uh, they dropped the baton. <clears throat> or no, sorry, sloppy exchange, and they, they finished third. They, they couldn't, they didn't do a great exchange, and so these fastest runners, like, all four of them were faster than every other runner on every other team. And they couldn't pass the exchange right in a couple different spots, so they finished third. And everyone was really disappointed and couldn't believe it. Well, 2004, not exactly the same runners, but again, the four fastest 100-meter women in the world, right? And they're ready to go, and everything's supposed to be awesome. And everyone's talking about, well, you know, they dropped the baton in 2000, but it definitely wouldn't happen in 2004. And so they worked on their, their switching off and everything like that. But one of the runners had had done the long jump and something else earlier that day, and so she was fatigued. So when it came to the time to pass the baton, they went outside of the exchange zone and were disqualified. And so there, they missed again in 2008. So then, um, two, or 2004, so then 2008 comes, and they're like, okay, the announcers are a little bit more timid. <laughs> they 
should win this. We're not really sure, but like who knows what can happen, right? Like there's, they've lost kind of the belief in this, in this American 4x100 women's relay team. And sure enough, they drop the baton again. They fail. Three four-year increments of missing the most key aspect of running. Every single one of them could run on their own really fast. 2012, um, they weren't the fastest runners. There were actually some other individuals on other teams that were faster than them. But ultimately, they got the exchanges right, and they broke a 20-year record for the 4x100 relay. What changed? The only thing that changed is they figured out that their job wasn't just to run their part as fast as they could, but they had to transition it. And see, I think parents, what you get in trouble, where we get in trouble is we think it's just, just put food on the plate, get some sleep, hope they get to college someday, and we forget like our very purpose with these children is to pass on our faith so that God can create and instill faith in them. So the best thing that we can do as parents is actually put our energy and time into doing what Deuteronomy 6, 7 tells us, which is ultimately to train up, or uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. So meaning my job as a parent, your job as parents, these parents' job is to continue to teach the faith to their kids so that, like Proverbs says, when they're old, they don't depart from it. And so we have to spend more energy in pushing uh, the relay race. We're in, a, we're in a divine relay race, passing this on. This applies to every single one of us, whether we have children or not. Your faith wasn't just for you. It's so that God could bring glory to himself through you by using you in others' lives. So we see that. So um, as the Wilsons come up here, and then Danny, could you come up too, please? We're going we're gonna to dedicate them. There's three, there's three things that kind of come from this. We see this in 1 Samuel where it happens. Hannah's praying for a child, like pleading God for a child, and he finally gives her a child. So she gives the child over to the, church, to the temple at that time. We're not going to take Ira that way, okay? So you keep Ira at home. But, um, but ultimately, like, that, like the recognition that this child is a gift from God, and therefore I, I trust him or her over to you. The, the next thing we see is, is ultimately it's giving up control. It's recognizing that, that, that God has a plan for little Ira's life that may not align with what you guys had hoped originally. It's trusting the mission and the calling for him. It's also recognizing um, the command like we talked about in Deuteronomy and then also community. It takes a village to raise these kids. Some kids, that's more true than others. I'm not sure about yours yet, but mine for sure, okay? But ultimately, um, if we're to love like Jesus loves, then it makes sense for us to band around families. And so Ryan and Haley are dedicating their kiddos and, um, or their kiddo. No, no, sorry, no extra ones, sorry. Woo, surprise, just kidding. Um, <laughs> and so, um, do, you, is there any, do you guys want to share anything? You don't have to, but you're welcome to. Um, so the verse that we are choosing to have prayed over him and just that we are praying over him is First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Mm. And we chose this passage because we believe it's a really great outline for how to live a godly life. Mm. And ultimately, what we want for him is to have an intimate relationship with God. Um, so praying without ceasing and abstaining from evil, those are all <laughs> pretty yeah. good tenets for that. So that's ultimately what we hope for him. And then question number two, I think, was why dedication? They're used to being balled up in mom's tummy. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's the only reason he's asleep right now is because he's so squished. <laughs> um, so we want to dedicate Ira because we know that there's no better way to live than in submission to and relationship with God.
Uh, we're doing this publicly because we know we can't do this alone. Yeah, because we really want to be held accountable. We need you guys' help to make this guy turn out right, because I know I'm going to screw it up if I do it on my own. <laughs> That's it. Excellent. Well, we give a baton to every parent to remind them, not as a weapon, although when he has a sibling, he probably will use it that way. Um, and then we also give story, Jesus' storybook Bible to the family, because every... Every book of the Bible points back to Jesus, and that's what that does. So um, Danny's going to lead us in prayer. Would you guys stand and join us in prayer? And the band will come up, and we'll worship after it as well. As we're standing here, if you guys wouldn't mind just holding your hands out towards them, and we'll pray together. It's important that we are with them in this. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for Ira, and we thank you, Lord, for their parents. Lord, I ask that you would just be with Ira, Lord, to help him from just even now to start realizing, Lord, that everything whispers your name. Lord, that you are in all and that you hold all together. Lord, it is only by you that uh, he is able to wake up that he's able to breathe, that his parents are able to continue on, and that we are able to help um, and stand in whatever way that you have us stand there. Lord, it is only by you that um, we have any strength at all. Lord, I ask that he would find his identity in you. Lord, that he would hide your word in his heart, Lord, that he would not sin against you. Lord, that he would uh, write it uh, on his heart and that he would grow uh, and mature in you, Lord, that when he is old, he would not part from, from it. Lord, I ask for his parents, Lord, that they would help him by asking for help, that they would humbly submit to, to that help, and Lord, that we, um, as the body, would invade and we'd jump in and that we would um, do it in a graceful, in a caring way, Lord, that would not be um, not of you. Lord Jesus, we lift them up. We thank you for this wonderful little boy. And we, Lord, we praise you for him. We praise you for the life that he is and that you knit him together. In your holy, precious name, amen.